Next Level Church, if you're glad to be here, say yeah. yeah. Woo, me too. If you're blessed, say yeah. Yeah, you know, I just love being home. I love being at Next Level Church. And so, uh, wow, we're just, we're just pumped that we get to do this. Anybody watching or listening online over the Internet or maybe someone gave you a CD of this message, welcome. We're glad that you're, uh, you're with us as well. Guys, today is, is a unique thing, and I'm excited about it because uh, throughout the month of June, we're going to be, today we're launching our One Prayer series. Now, for three years straight, and this is our second year that we've been participating, uh, over 1,000 churches, actually over 1,100 churches this year, are coming together under this banner of one prayer. Jesus prayed in the book of John, and, and Jesus' prayer was that we, the body of Christ, could all be one. And so in, in an effort to answer Jesus' prayer, if you will, listen to this, over a million people today are all launching the One Prayer series together. Not only across the United States, but literally in countries around the world as well. And so guys, we're just excited for the second year in a row. We get to be a part of our, this One Prayer series. And this year, our theme is Unstoppable. And so each week throughout the month of June, we're going to be talking about what's possible and, and what the Bible has to say about what happens when the body of Christ here on earth gets together in unity. Quite honestly, the Bible is clear that we are unstoppable. And so guys, today we're going to talk about unstoppable blessing. Next week we're talking about unstoppable courage. The week after that, Father's Day, we're talking about unstoppable dads. Woo, yeah, come on, all right. Uh, and then we're going we're gonna to finish out the series on June 27th by talking about unstoppable serving or servants. And so, guys, I know you're not going to want to miss one week of this unstoppable one prayer series as we join with hundreds of other churches and million, over a million people across the U.S. and around the world. So I'm just pumped that we get to be a part of this. Well, today, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about unstoppable blessing or how do we live a life that invites the unstoppable blessing of God on our life the truth is if you and I went around the room this morning uh, and asked simply asked and answered the question do you want to be blessed you know do you want to be blessed by God the truth like unanimously and not just here in this room but like literally across I mean around the world asking some like atheists who don't even believe in God, will tell you, you know, Jay, do you want to be blessed by God? Sure, if there is one, then yeah, <laughs> you know, it's great. Like, there's something inside of us that wants to walk in the blessing of God. And yet, if we're being honest with ourselves, we have to realize and, and admit that for most of us, our desire to, to walk in the blessing of God is not matched with a, an understanding of knowing how to get there. For a lot of us, we're like, well, you know, are you blessed? I hope so. I think so. You know, I'm trying my darndest type thing, right? Okay, so we kind of find ourselves in this, this weird kind of place. And yet, here's, here's what I want us to talk about this morning. As we study the pages of Scripture, the Bible, which we believe is the Word of God, what we begin to discover is that the Bible makes it very clear that there is a way that we can begin to live our life in such a way that it actually invites the blessing of God. And that's what I'm so excited about teaching and talking about this morning. Guys, listen, th this is, I, I'm just telling you, I'm just excited. I already, I already did this once, and it was awesome. So, okay, okay, so here, if we're going to talk about living our life in such a way that it invites the unstoppable blessing of God on our life, 
then I think we've got to start with a couple of premises. And the first thing is we've got to properly define this idea of blessing. Because, of course, when we say blessing, you know, most of us, we, we think to ourselves, you know, money. Or we think financial or monetary. What, you know, and, and sure, that's one compartment of it. But the reality is, again, as you study the pages of the Bible, what we discover is that the blessing of God is, is multifaceted. That there's the blessing of God in relationship. There's the blessing of opportunity. There's, there's the blessing, uh, sure, of finance. There's, you know, there's the blessing of good health. There's the blessing of long life. There's, there's all kinds of, in fact, I would venture to say that almost every single one of us daily walks in, in areas of where God has blessed us, the blessing of God. And for most of us, we probably don't even realize it. We probably take it for granted. So, so I think the first thing we have to do is kind of define this, this, this word blessing properly. Here's what the dictionary says. The definition of blessing is to speak well of. That, to speak well, that if someone says, oh, well, they're blessed. Okay, well, that's someone that we would speak well of. Here's another word for it, favor. When you see somebody and there's like, you see like favor on them, we would say, wow, they're, they're, that's, they're blessed. There's a the blessing is on them. Happy. Here's another one, satisfied or content. That's what, that's what it means to be blessed. So I think if we're going to talk about this unstoppable blessing that God wants to put on our life, then at first we have to define it properly. But secondly, we have to drill down in our heart for a second. Because I think it's important that if we're going to talk about living our life in such a way that it invites the blessing of God, the unstoppable blessing of God on our life, then we have to actually believe that God wants to bless us. Now, of course, uh, before you, you run too far and you go, no, dude, I, I believe it. I believe blessing, yeah. You know, okay, no, 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 no. I think the reality for a lot of us perhaps is that our belief of God, our, what we believe in, maybe it's from a, a previous religious system that we were raised in, maybe it was a school we went to, maybe a teacher or a coach or, or a parent or some, some leader or authority, maybe a pastor or a preacher, led us to believe that th this God that we speak of is a really mean, angry old man who sits upon the porch of heaven waiting for us to ride our bike by and when we ring our bell, he yells at us. That's not who God is. That's not what the Bible says of our God. As we read the pages of Scripture, we discover that the God of the Bible is a God who desperately loves his children and wants to bless his children with an unstoppable blessing from him. Did you know it's not wrong to pray for the blessing of God? See, God wants to bless us. However, and this is the key, God wants to bless us with an unstoppable blessing on our lives, but not for the reason that most of us want to be blessed. And that's where I want us to spend our time today. That if we, we would all agree universally, yeah, I want to be blessed, great. But what does that mean? How do you and I live our life in such a way that it invites the unstoppable blessing of God on our life? If you have your bulletin, I would love for you to take some notes there and jot some ideas down because I think the first thing we have to understand if we're going to talk about living our life in such a way that it invites the unstoppable blessing of God is that it starts with our motives. It starts with our motives. You ever play the game, 
uh, you know, maybe as a kid or maybe like on a long road trip in the middle of the night. If you could ask God for one thing, what would you ask him for? Like in high school, you're like, for that cheerleader, you know, whatever. Maybe, you know, as a little kid, you're like, for all the candy in the world, you know what I mean? Well, even as adults, we play, right? We're like, I'm, I'd ask him for the lottery and not the 27 million one, the 268 million, you know, right? Okay, and that's not bad. It's not wrong for us. To, but, but, okay, let's play the game. If you could ask God for one thing, and not like the whole genie thing where I, I wish I had another wish, not that. <laughs> if you could ask God for one thing, what would you ask for? Some of us, we'd be like, well, that I could get current on my mortgage payments. Some of us were like, well, man, I want that new boat. Come on, if I'm asking God for something, let's, you know, go big or go home. Some of us, we'd be asking for the lottery. Some of us, we'd be asking, you know, like for a new iPad. What's up now? Just got interesting, didn't it? <laughs> okay, here's, here, here's the deal. There's actually a guy in the Bible that found such favor with God that he has a dream one night, and in the dream, God comes to him and says, I'm so pleased with how you've lived your life. Ask for anything, and I'll give it to you. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 3. 1 Kings, chapter 3. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. The verses will be on the screens around me. I know you'll be able to follow along there. Because in 1 Kings, chapter 3, we find the story of King Solomon. Now, who was King Solomon? King Solomon was the great King David, who we all know, David and Goliath, that king, King David's son. And so when King David dies, King Solomon takes over the rule of the kingdom of God, the children of Israel, who are God's people in the Old Testament. And so King Solomon takes over. And where we pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 3, starting in verse 5, King Solomon has fallen asleep, and in his sleep he has a dream. And look at what God says to him, verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give to you. What? Can you imagine how sweet? That's a good mattress right there. Whatever, however, whatever he's, okay, he stayed at a Holiday Inn or something's going on because that duffer's having a good night. So I want to dream that dream, right? It's like God comes in your dream and is like, whatever you want, bro, it's all yours. Man, we, I'd be freaking out. Woo, that's a good dream. Well, why? Why would God come to Solomon and say, Solomon, whatever you want, just ask it's yours. Well, in order for us to understand why God would say this to Solomon, we actually have to back up to the day before, the day before the night. Because when you back up in the chapter, when you rewind a few verses, you see that King Solomon was at a wedding. He was getting married. And, and the custom for a king in those days was when you got married, you would offer to the Lord one bull. As a burnt offering, as a sacrifice offering, as a thank offering to God, you would bring one bull to the altar and you would sacrifice it to, the, to God. Watch this, verse 4. Look, look what Solomon did. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. In other words, he went to the most spiritual place he could find. He's like, i got to find, I'm going to Gibeon, because that's, that's where God is the most, I think. And so that's, he goes there. Look, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings 
on the altar. The requirement is one. Solomon didn't offer ten. He didn't offer a hundred. Solomon, when it came to expressing his gratitude to God, when it came to giving an offering to the Lord, gave a thousand times what was required. Why would God be able to come to this king in the middle of the night in a dream and say, Solomon, whatever you ask, I'll do for you. Why? I believe two reasons. Number one, because Solomon was an extravagantly generous individual. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But secondly, I believe that God was able to say to Solomon, whatever you ask, I'll give it to you because God could trust him. God was able to say to Solomon, Solomon, I will bless your life with an unstoppable blessing because I can trust you because your heart is in the right place. So in this dream, in verse 5, God says, Solomon, whatever you ask, I'll give it to you. Look how Solomon answers the question, verse 9. He talks for a minute, and he's like, hey, thanks, by the way, for letting my dad be king all those years, and thanks for letting him have a son, and that was really great of you, verse 9. Then he answers the question. If you want to know what I want, Lord, here's what I want. Look, give your servant, verse 9, a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? How did Solomon answer the question? If I could have anything, it wouldn't be a bigger palace. It wouldn't be cooler, newer chariots. If I could ask for anything, God, I would ask for something that had nothing to do with me. And everything to do with you and your people. Solomon's motives were in the right place. And listen, I think we've got to start there. If you and I are going to look into this uh, question of how do you and I live our life in such a way that it invites the unstoppable blessing of God on our life, then we have to get to a motive level. Why do we want to be blessed? Is it for us? Or is it for others? And look what God says when Solomon reveals his motives and says, I just want to be the wisest king I possibly can to rule over your people. And to help as many people as I possibly can. Verse 10. The Lord was pleased with it. Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, which some of us, when I said, if you could ask God for anything, you were like, kill my boss. Okay, that's kind of the same deal right here. Since you've not asked for anybody to be dead, But for discernment in administering justice, verse 12, look what God says he's going to do. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. He says, when you ask me for anything with the right motives, when you ask me like that, not for yourself, but for others... That's an attitude. That's a motivation I can bless. But he's not done. Verse 13, look. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for. Both wealth and honor. So that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. 
God says, Solomon, your heart is so in the right place. Your motives are so pure that I'm not only going to give you wisdom to to bless and touch other people, I'm going to give you wealth and honor as well because I know that I can trust you with it. So what about us? If God gave us whatever we asked for, could he trust our motives? Or is it more about us? Because here's what I think. I think that if we want to have unstoppable blessing in our life for us, God's not real interested. But if the reason we want to have unstoppable blessings in our life is for the sake of others and for the sake of his work and what he's doing on the earth, then I think God gets real interested in that. So it starts with our motives. But secondly, and we see this in the story of of Solomon, it requires a generous heart. How do you and I live our life in such a way that it invites the unstoppable blessing of God on our life? It requires a generous heart. Did you see it in Solomon? God said, give me one bull. And Solomon gave him a thousand. Now, if we're being honest, isn't it true that human nature is basically just the opposite? That if God says, give me a thousand, we're like, how's one? Right? I mean, what is it with human beings that we're always like, man, if I can just find the lowest place to get by. And then try and slither under that. That's what I'm talking about, Lord. Right? Don't we do that? Aren't we always looking for like the least we can possibly do? That's not what Solomon said. That's not what Solomon did. Solomon had this generous spirit in his heart. And so when God asked for one, he said, God, one. How do I do more? How do I go above and beyond? I don't don't want to just give one. I don't want to just do the minimum. I don't want to be average. I want to be an extravagant giver. And this generous spirit that was in Solomon, we find laced throughout as a theme throughout the pages of Scripture. Over and over and over again, the words of this book run contrary to the words of our culture. Our culture says, hoard, keep, be selfish. It's yours. What's yours is yours. And what's somebody else's ought to be yours. That's what our culture teaches. But what the word of God teaches is that a generous man prospers. Look at it. Proverbs, who was actually written the majority of it by Solomon. Look what he writes. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Next verse. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Proverbs 28, verse 27. One who gives to the poor, generous, has no lack. But one who closes his eyes will have many curses. Listen, every person who who functions in the business community knows that this is true. The business, the entire business culture of the United States of America is built around a scarcity mentality. What's mine is mine. Hoard it. Keep it. If you've got a good idea, then don't, by heaven's sakes, don't give it away. You keep your cards close to your chest because somebody's out to get you and stab you in the back. Here's what I think. I think our world is waiting for some Christians to rise up 
I think the business community is waiting for some Christians to start to rise up and say, rather than having a scarcity mentality and mindset, we will have an abundance mentality. We will say, listen, let's be generous with these ideas. Let's be generous with these thoughts. Why? Because that's how we invite the blessing of God on our life and on our businesses. Okay, okay, there's this principle that I just got to show you. So often when we think about who God blesses, we think that it's the person in need, don't we? Like we think, man, there are so many, there are millions of hungry people right now in our world. There are thousands of hungry people in our city, in Lee County, in Southwest Florida, right now. So if God's going to bless somebody, he, he wants to bless the poor, right? He wants to bless those who don't have. Did you know that the Bible actually teaches that that's not true? Did you know the Bible teaches that being poor is not a blessing? Watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. Look at what it says. It's speaking of God here. Look what it says. And he, who is he? He is God. Gives seed to whom? To the sower. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. And he gives seed to who? To the poor? That's not what Scripture says. He gives seed to the hoarder? That's not what Scripture says. He gives seed to the consumer? Those who eat the seed, he gives more seed too. That's not what the Bible says. You know what the Bible says? He gives seed to the one who has seed and is willing to give it away. To the one who is generous, he gives seed to the sower. If you're willing to sow seed, you can't outgive God. If you're willing to sow seed, God will be generous. He will give seed to the sower. Guys, listen, I'll be honest with you. This is not an easy message to teach. But I would not be doing my job, and I would not be doing you a favor as an influencer, as a leader, as a pastor in your life if I didn't teach these, these principles this is, I'm not making this up. This is the truth. The truth is the truth, and the Bible says the truth will set us free. Listen, this message has the power to set some of us free. Because God gives seed to the sower. If you want to be unstoppably blessed, then we've got to develop a generous spirit. But here's a third component of that. How do you and I begin to live our lives in such a way that it invites the unstoppable blessing of God, number three, it involves putting God first. Then how do we do that? We do that by putting God first. See, here's another one of those principles in the Bible that, that is just, just threaded throughout the pages of Scripture. This idea that when, when we put God first, we invite him to bless the rest of whatever it is we put him first in. So if we put God first in our time, we invite God to bless the rest of it. That's why we fast and pray the first workday, Monday, of every month. Because we feel like if we can set the first of the month aside, then we're inviting God's blessing on the rest of the month. It's powerful. It's true not only in our time, it's true with our thoughts, it's true with our attentions, and it's true in our finances as well. 
and, and you see this long before Jesus, long before the 12 disciples, long before the New Testament, long before Moses. You see this all the way back to, to the beginning of time. In Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve had two, their first two sons, Cain and Abel. Look at this. I want you to see this. Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, says, tells this story. Watch. Verse 2. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So Abel was a rancher. He took care of the animals. And Cain worked the soil. He took care of the, the land. Verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Verse 4. And Abel also brought an offering. Fat portions, that means a good part. From some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor. What, how did we define blessing? Favor. On Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. He didn't bless it. Okay, time out. What is going on here? Watch this. As an outside observer looking into this story, it looks like both men were generous. Right? They both, they both gave an offering. They both brought their offerings to the Lord. So how come God put his favor? How come God blessed one offering but he didn't bless the other offering. Doesn't that almost look like a contradiction? And some of us perhaps have read this story in, in, in the past. And we've been, what's the deal with that? How come God blessed one offering, but he didn't bless the other offering? In order for us to understand why God did that, we have to grab a hold of this, this principle of the first, of honoring God with the first. Look what it says. It says that in the course of time, Cain brought some of his harvest as an offering. But Abel, it says, brought the fat portion, the good part, of the firstborn. And I don't even have time to explain this throughout Scripture. But you see this again with the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 13 and 14, where God speaks to them and says, bring me the firstborn. Bring me the firstborn. In fact, when you go to the New Testament, you begin to realize that Jesus, the Bible says, was the firstborn among all creation. What's going on? God says, if you will bring me the first, I will bless the rest. See, Cain brought his offering to God in the course of time. When he got around to it, well, well if there's, I mean, if there's some left after we make the house payment, I mean, if, after we make the car payment, and oh my goodness, there's a clearance at Bell's, what's up now? And then it's like, God, everything else is yours. Abel said, no, God is my source, God is my supply, and I will bring the best of the first portion and present it to God. Listen, this is huge. This is huge. If we want to live our lives in such a way that it invites the unstoppable blessing of God on them, then we must put God first. For he has the power to bless the rest. I don't know about you, I don't want my mortgage company being first because I don't think they have the power to bless the rest. If we're counting on Ford or GM or Toyota or Honda to bless the rest... We're going to be waiting a while. 
Bible says, when we put God first, we invite him to bless the rest with an unstoppable blessing. So how do we do that? What, what, is, what does that look like? Well, it's interesting because as you fast forward through the, the Old Testament, when you get to the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, for those of you who are Italian, Malachi, <clears throat> you see a group of God's people who are wrestling with asking the same question, that they were kind of had this on-again, off-again relationship with God, and God's kind of getting fed up with it. And so one of the last things God says to his people before he goes silent for 400 years, because after Malachi, there's a 400-year break before Matthew where Jesus shows up. So right before God goes silent for 400 years, one of the last things he says to his people concerns this issue. God, how are we supposed to put you first? Look at what he says. Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 7, he says this. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. In other words, you keep turning your back on me. I wish you'd stop doing that. Then he gives them a command. Return to me, and I will return to you. He says, listen, if you'll put me first, I'll bless you. If you'll put me first, this thing will go right. So they ask him the question, how do we return? Okay, God, we like this idea. We're supposed to put you first. Same question we're asking. How are we supposed to do that? God answers their question with a question. Look, verse 8, I love this. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. Okay, at this, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, God. We're robbing you? What are you talking about? How, how are we robbing you? And God answers. In tithes, and offerings. Look at verse 9. You are under a curse. Look at this part. Your whole nation. Because you're robbing me. He says, listen, if you want to put me first in your life, then the way that I require for you to prove that is in your finances. So he gives them the solution. Verse 10, look, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. In other words, the tithe is the first tenth, the one in ten, the first tenth. He says, bring the whole tithe, not 4%, not 6%, not 8%, all ten. He says, bring me the first one out of ten and bring it to the local storehouse, the local expression of my body, of what I'm doing on this. Bring it to the local church. Not to the college fund, not to the United Way, not to the radio station, not to the Red Cross. All those are good causes. But he says, if you want to invite the unstoppable blessing of God on your life, bring the first one in ten, the first tenth tithe into the local body where you are fed, the storehouse. Why? So that there may be food in my house. In other words, so that my movement, what I'm doing on the earth, can move forward. And then, and this is the only time in Scripture we ever see God make this statement. He says, test me. I dare you. Says the Lord Almighty. He says, we've talked about other things and the whole deal, and I gave you the Ten Commandments and yada, 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 but here's the deal. Listen. I want to bring about an unstoppable blessing on you and on your families and on your children and on your crops and on your field and on your workplace. I want to bless every part of your life with an unstoppable blessing. And the way to do it is to put me first by bringing the first 10% into the local storehouse. And then he throws the gauntlet down. I dare you. 
And then look what he says. Because if you'll do this, look, verse 11. And, or, or, verse 10, second part. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much, what's the word? Blessing. That there won't be room enough to store it. That's it. We invite the unstoppable blessing of God on our life when we come to God with a pure heart and a generous spirit and pure motives and we put God first and we say, God, here is the first one in ten. We invite the unstoppable blessing of God. And he says, and check it out. I'm going to throw open the floodgates. I don't don't even know what a floodgate is, but that sounds big and impressive. I'm going to open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much favor, blessing, satisfaction, contentment on you. Not for you. On you. That you're not even going to be able to contain it. And all we have to do is bring him the first 10% of all of the increase? That sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? Except that it's not, is it? And I love this. He he not only says, I'm going to bring an unstoppable blessing on you, but he goes on in verse 11 and he kind of like adds a bonus blessing. Look, it's like, as if that's not all. (laughs) Don't call now, there's more, right? This is like the best infomercial ever. Verse 11, look, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord. He says, there is a preventative blessing that I'm going to bring on your life if you'll very simply just honor me with the tithe. If you'll bring the first 10% of the local church to the storehouse, I'm telling you, I will put a preventative blessing around your wife, around your kids, around your home, around your job, around your cars. I want to bless you with an unstoppable blessing. And this is what you have to do. This is it. That's it. First one out of ten, I've given you everything you have. All God is asking is that we bring him the first back. That's easier said than done, though, isn't it? And yet he says, test me. I dare you to take the challenge. I'm big enough. I'm big enough. Yeah, but Matt, even in a down economy, even in a down economy, but Matt, even when I've got more month left at the end of my money, even then, what does it take to invite the unstoppable blessing of God in our lives? Number four, it takes obedience. It takes obedience. If we want the unstoppable blessing of God on our lives, not for us, but through us, then we have to do it like he says to do it. But unfortunately, we love, certainly in the American church, to pick and choose, don't we? That whole love your neighbor thing, got it, awesome. Bring the tithe, oh, wait a minute. Right? We don't, we don't do this with our kids. We don't come to our kids and go, hey, kids, by the way, your mom and I have been talking this week. 
you only need to obey three out of the four house rules. We'll take care of the other one. We don't, we, don't, we don't let our kids pick and choose. Well, yeah, mom and dad, I just I don't feel like not talking back this week. Okay, son and daughter, that's fine. We don't, we don't do that, do we? No. We say this is, this is the deal. If you want to live under the blessing of the house, this is how you do it. It's like playing the game of basketball. If, you know, if we're playing the game of basketball and we keep stepping out of the out-of-bounds line and the rest is like, oh, you stepped out of bounds, you know, turnover. And the next time down we got the ball and we step out of bounds, you stepped over to the line and we're like, yeah, I, get I don't really believe in that line. <laughs> the ref's going to be like, that's great. I don't care if you believe it or not. That's how the game is played. Basketball is an amazing, enjoyable, wonderful game if you'll stay inside that line. And I think the exact same thing is true in terms of our lives. But we go running outside the lines and going, God, why, why bless me, bless me. And God goes, I, I, I will. Come here. Stay inside the line. Do what I've asked you to do. And I will. Number five. If we're going to invite the unstoppable blessing of God on our lives. But it requires good stewardship. And I don't even have time to mature this and blow this thing out. Here's the deal. God can't bless a mess, and he won't bless a mess. Some of us, if God started to bless our life with increase, we wouldn't even know it because we're so disorganized. We're not living on a budget. We're, just, we're in debt up to our eyeball. We're, just, we're going crazy. And yet we're going, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. And God's like, you don't need more. You need to get your house in order with what you got. Guys, there's an unstoppable blessing that God wants, stay with me here, that God needs to bless his children with. You know why? Because there are millions of people in our world today who don't have access to clean water. There are hundreds or thousands of people right in our own city who don't have enough to eat. Listen, this whole blessing thing is not about us. Because we're all going to leave here and go to lunch somewhere or whatever. We're not missing any meals today. Listen, God wants to put an unstoppable blessing on his people, not for us, through us. And he says, if you'll trust me, if you'll do it my way, if you'll put me first, I'll bless you you and you won't have room enough to contain it which is as it should be because we're not supposed to contain it which by the way if you're new this is your first time or whatever next level number one I'm this passionate about everything so it's not just like man he really got wound up when he's bridged on money not true ask anybody they'll tell you yeah he's nuts <clears throat> but I medicated so it's all good. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> I just believe this stuff is true. My wife and I have been living this way for 18 years, clear back from the time we were pre-married when we were dating, putting God first, putting God first. I worked at an ice cream store, and my weekly paycheck at one point was $14. And I can remember writing $1.42 in the tithe check. 
I'm just, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Ask anybody. There are people who own businesses. I preached this stuff about a year and a half ago, and um, this person in our church came up and owns a business. And I just talked to them a few months ago, and they said, listen, every other business like mine has shut their doors in Lee County because of the economy. But when I heard you talk about the whole put God first and he'll bless the rest, this person looked at me and they said, we just started doing that. So they not only started tithing off their personal income, they started tithing off the business income. They're like, we just bring it in and just God's just showing up and new customers call us and go, hey, you'll never believe how I heard about you, but I just want to do business with you. I'm telling you, guys, I'm telling you. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't share this stuff with you. So here's, here's the deal. Where, where do you need to step it up? Some of us, our motives are just bad. We want it to be for us. We got we to gotta check that today in prayer. We got to surrender that. Some of us, we don't have a generous spirit. And if you talk to our wife or our kids or our coworkers or our friends, they'd be like, oh, no, that guy, not him. We got to check that with God. Some of us, we've been robbing God because we've not been bringing him the first one in ten of all our increase to his local expression. We need to cross that line. I challenge you, take, take 90 days, take June, July, and August and bring the first to the storehouse. I'm, I'm testing. I guarantee you by the end of August, I'll, I'll stake everything on it because I believe his word is true. Whether we believe it or not, it's true. That he will miraculously show up on your behalf like you could never even imagine. But it takes obedience and it takes faith and it takes trust. And so God, today, in the stillness of this moment, right where we're seated, Lord, right where some of us are watching or listening online, we pause. Because God, we need to do business with you. And so Lord, right now, we just pray that we would cross a line in our hearts today. That we would begin to position ourselves to start walking in the unstoppable blessing of God every area. So God, I pray for courage for so many of us that this is foreign, this is new, this is scary. But God, give us courage today to put you first. To simply do what you've asked us to do. To play the game your way. Not our way. Not the way we want it to be, but the way you say it is. Father, I pray that in the coming days you would open the floodgates of heaven and pour out an unstoppable blessing that we can't and shouldn't try and contain. God, thank you. Thank you for trusting us, Lord. We want to be like Solomon. That our lives be the kind of life that you could wake us up in the middle of the night and say, whatever you want, I can trust you. Your heart's in the right place. And I know that if I bless you, you'll give all of that blessing back to me first. Father, we thank you for your unstoppable blessing that's available to us today. In Jesus' name. And all across this room, everyone said,